Well, listen, we're going to get started. And um, we thought it would be important to look at the history, perhaps, of what the health is for black families. And we've attempted to cover um, African Americans, blacks, um, Caribbean Americans, blacks. So we decided, you know what, we're just going to say blacks through the whole presentation. Because the bottom line is, when you look at the, um, look back into your, your family history, we are so mixed up. <laughs> I was just uh, chatting with a friend um, who happens to be white, and he said, you know, since the last election, I've confirmed that I have black in me somewhere. I'm somewhere, and we're all mixed up, and it's the truth. But today, we're going to concentrate on this, the studies, um, that have been done, the causes and the distribution and the control of diseases in different populations. Any handouts? I beg your pardon? Any handouts? Yes, what we're going to do is actually, um, Dr. Connor has his on a CD. If you leave, and there's another presenter coming in, if you leave your email address, I will email it to you, okay? So, the title is, It Is What It Is, but it doesn't have to be. And I'd like to emphasize the fact that health is mental, physical, social, and spiritual. It is not just about what you're eating or what you're not eating. Um, however, what we're eating is a big cause as to why the statistics look the way they look. So, um, by coincidence, it's interesting this presentation happens to fall on what we refer to as Black History Month. So, I don't know, I, I, it's interesting how that worked out. But so let, let's now get you thinking about what is going on and what's going to transpire. And I need to um, just take you back to West Africa, Ghana, along the shores of the Atlantic Ocean. Many of you, I'm sure, saw the movie um, Roots. And this, isn't, this is just my version of what happened there. But just along the beaches um, of the Atlantic Ocean, and imagine with me, if you can, didn't turn my phone off. Imagine with me, if you can, a young boy frolicking along the beach, and without him knowing it, he is captured, marched down to the shore, and placed upon a big boat, never to be seen again. His parents are out looking for him, having left his brothers and sisters behind at the hut. Go down to the beach. They, too, are captured and put on a big boat, never again to be seen. On the course of a couple of days, this boat is filled up with young boys and mothers and fathers until it's overrunning with people. This young boy never gets back to his parents and doesn't realize that they are on the same boat, perhaps, maybe a level up. Imagine the younger children at home waiting for the parents never to come back. The history of the black man in America is the history of men who were forced to adjust themselves to a world whose laws and customs and instruments were leveled against them. In this course, uh, we will share with you some of the health issues facing blacks and how to resolve them. The Bible does give solutions to all problems. Make sure I have this correct. So let's read and see what um, 
Deuteronomy 5 says, so Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commandments of the Lord, your God, following his instructions in every detail, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will, re you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Deuteronomy 6 says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. So as we move on in looking at what Deuteronomy um, has to say, let's just take a look at, um, if we can, just take a look at some of the health stats of blacks. Now, unfortunately, um, I don't know what happened to that, that uh, slide. It just kind of disappeared. But I can tell you that when we look at the health of African Americans, it's no secret, we lead out in all chronic diseases, including HIV AIDS. Um, Secretary Kathleen Sibillis has said over and over again that we must do something about this, and I believe that we can. So in looking at sources from CDC, Center of um, Disease and Control, African Americans are twice as likely to be diagnosed with diabetes um, as non-Hispanic whites, and that's just the truth. African American adults are twice as likely um, to have amputations more amputations than any other ethnic group. Uh, although African Americans have the same lower and high cholesterol as their non-Hispanic white counterparts, they are more likely to have high blood pressure. So in 2006, the African Americans were two to three point times as likely as non-Hispanic whites to not just have diabetes, but to die from diabetes. So obviously, we're all here because it's not a secret that blacks lead out in chronic diseases. However, it is somewhat of a mystery as to why this is so. Uh, researchers continue to explore what some of the possibilities could be that have contributed to the wide gap of health between blacks and whites. And if I can... I'd like to share something with you that is actually from WebMD. And I thought perhaps, perhaps instead of me reading it, that it might be better for you to hear it. And if you can just hold one second. I did not hook up the speakers because I want to make sure that you hear this. If it's not loud enough, then. High blood pressure, also known as hypertension, affects African Americans in unique ways. Can you hear that? African Americans develop high blood pressure at younger ages than other groups in the U.S. African Americans are more likely to develop complications associated with high blood pressure. These problems include stroke, kidney disease, blindness, dementia, and heart disease. Why is high blood pressure in African Americans so common? If you are African-American, what can you do to avoid developing high blood pressure? 
find out how you can protect yourself from this serious health condition. Why is high blood pressure in African Americans such a problem? To date, researchers do not have a definitive answer to this question, but believe that high blood pressure in African Americans may be triggered by the following factors. Genetic factors. High rates of high blood pressure in African Americans may be due to the genetic makeup of people of African descent. Researchers have uncovered some facts. In Africa, blacks who maintain traditional lifestyles have few problems with high blood pressure. In the U.S., blacks respond differently to high blood pressure drugs than do other groups of people. Blacks in the U.S. also seem to be more sensitive to salt, which increases the risk of developing high blood pressure. Environmental factors. Some scientists believe that high blood pressure in African Americans is due to factors unique to the experience of blacks in the U.S. Blacks worldwide have rates of high blood pressure that are similar to whites. In the U.S., however, the difference is dramatic. 41% of blacks have high blood pressure, as compared to 27% of whites. In addition, black people in the U.S. are more likely to be overweight than blacks in other countries. Some experts think that social and economic factors, including discrimination and economic inequality, are responsible for this difference. A combination of factors. Many experts believe that high rate of high blood pressure in African Americans is the result of a combination of different factors, both genetic and environmental. With luck, researchers will find the causes for the high incidence of high blood pressure in African Americans in the not-too-distant future. In the meantime, there is a lot you can do to keep high blood pressure from damaging your health. High blood pressure risk factors African Americans. Being an African American is one risk factor for developing high blood pressure. Others include increased age, excessive weight, a family history of high blood pressure, having diabetes, inactivity, high dietary salt and fat, low intake of potassium, smoking. The more risk factors you have, the more likely it is that you have high blood pressure or will develop it in the future. Take steps now to find out more. Even if you don't have high blood pressure, you can lower your risk by following the treatment guidelines for high blood pressure in African Americans. Okay, did you notice that was something that she said in there? Did you notice that she said something about some experts think that social economic factors, including discrimination and economic inequality, are responsible for this difference? There are loads of studies on this. And I thought that it was very important for us to um, just take a look at that, because there is a reason. The good piece is we serve an awesome God. Yeah. And so no matter what the case may be, we can move forward. That's my point. So let's take a look at um, a scenario that I thought was interesting. Some of you may have heard this already. The boiling frog, have you, are you familiar with that? Okay. So there are many families facing bad pain. Unfortunately, many of them don't recognize it or they deny it and hope it will go away. One of the more famous analogies of this phenomenon was Carl Weichs, 
who in 1974 relayed the story of the boiling frog as he talked about the demise of organizations. Put a frog in a pan of water and it will probably stay put. When you turn the heat up one notch, the frog will not react because the water temperature change is not that different. Repeat this over and over and the frog will stay put. Why? Because the incremental temperature increase is not noticed until it is too late. Hence, boiled frog. So I had a friend to take a look at this and he came up with a nice analogy, I think, um, in comparing the two. And maybe somebody else, would somebody else read that? Or would you rather me do it? <laughs> mm. How many times have you seen that happen? And someone doesn't even know they have diabetes, or they know they have diabetes, but they're still able to function. Then the next thing you know, they have a stroke. Then the next thing you know, they're an amputee. You're seeing changes are very hard to make. Yes. That's why one of the sessions we're going to have here is going to be on changes, and there are others. I would definitely check with um, Dr. Neil Nedley. He has a wonderful book out called um, The Art of Thinking. Yes. Sir. And also, because they have no symptoms, yes. they don't think there's anything wrong. Exactly. So perhaps it's a combination yeah. of being in denial and not having the proper no, no, education. Yes. And so my next statement is, and I feel very strongly about this, and we've heard it over and over in the writings of Ellen White, but that it is very important to educate, yeah. educate, yes. educate. So we have a serious burden staring us yeah. right in the face. Yeah. I believe that it, it is possible to move beyond the walls of leading out in chronic diseases that are debilitating us and as a, as a race, I believe that it should be the core mission of all of us to eliminate health disparities and to educate, 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 mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news, and we're gonna have good news through this entire session because it's so multifaceted, and because you're here, because I believe in it, I believe that we can heal the world with this message. New Living Translation, he said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right, if you can continue reading. Obeying his commandments and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer for any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. Amen. Now, my question is, can physical abuse and stress affect health? Does mental health matter? Yes. Okay. I believe that. Some people don't. Um, but let's just take a look from 1619 to 1865. That was the time during um, when the first slaves came to America from Africa and to America and from the Caribbean. 
And the Caribbean, I think it was um, raised, the bar was raised or stopped in about the 1830s. But for America, it was 1865. So families were broken. Think back to the story that I just shared with you and imagine. Now, don't get me wrong. There are many. Look at the Jews in, in terms of what they had, had to go through. And Chinese and the Dutch, if you have never seen the, um, the study on the Dutch, it's absolutely amazing. But this is what has happened here. Families were broken. They were separated and suffered many years of brutal treatment. The transatlantic slave trade produced one of the largest forced migrations in history from the early 16th to the mid-19th centuries, more than 10 million. Actually, that should be 15 million, which tells me I don't have the proper PowerPoint. Africans were taken from their homes, herded onto ships, where they were sometimes so tightly packed that they could barely move and sent to a strange new land. By far, the largest importers of slaves were Brazilians and Caribbean colonies. Together, they received more than three quarters of all Africans brought to, um, brought to America. So let's take a look and see what happens. Um, Dr. Benjamin Rush he was a physician, a writer, educator, educator and humanitarian. And he was the dean of the medical school of the University of Pennsylvania, which is a very um, prominent school, for those of you who may not know. And the father of, the, um, of American psychiatry described Negroes as suffering from an affliction called negritude, which was thought to be a mild form of leprosy. The only cure for the disorder was to become white. The irony of Dr. Rush's observation was that he was a leading mental health reformer and co-founder of the first anti-slavery society in America. So he didn't believe in slavery. It's not that he was, quote unquote, prejudiced, but he was a mental health expert. And that's why I asked that question before. The Africans became, this was his quote, the Africans become insane, we are told, in some instances, soon after they enter upon the toils of perpetual slavery in the West Indies. Then we have the American physician Samuel Cartwright. In 1851, Dr. Samuel Cartwright, a prominent Louisiana physician and one of the leading authorities in his time on the medical care of Negroes, identified two mental disorders peculiar to slaves. It was called drapetomania. Have you heard of that before? It was called drapetomania. Now, again, a leading physician. Or the disease called causing Negroes to run away was noted as a condition unknown to our medical authorities, although its diagnostic symptom, um, the absconding from service, is well known to our planters and our overseers. Dr. Cartwright observed the cause in most cases that induces the Negro to run away from service is such a disease of the mind as in any other species of alienation and much more curable as a general rule. Mm -hmm. Cartwright identified preventive measures of dealing with potential cases of drapetomania. Slaves showing incident drapetomania reflected in sulky and dissatisfied behavior should be whipped strictly as a therapeutic early intervention. Planter and overseers were encouraged to utilize whippings as the primary intervention once the disease had progressed in the stage of actually running away. Overall, Cartwright suggested that Negroes should be kept in a submissive state and treated like children with care 
kindness, attention, and humanity to prevent and cure them from running away. So to find negritude is a mild case of leprosy and drapetomania, who wouldn't run away? <laughs> and so now when you look at that, it's, um, I just thought that was very, very interesting. So just in terms of what um, Dr. Rush was saying that the, the negritude was a mild form of leprosy and to look at how we look at ourselves today, let's just take a look, whoops. Well, let me just say this. Um, today, drapetomania is considered an example of pseudoscience and part of the um, edifice of scientific racism. That's what it's called, scientific racism. The term derives from the Greek, and which means runaway, madness, frenzy. Okay, so let's just take a look at this one for a moment because I believe that that has trickled down even into today's society. This is a fairly new um, study from, with Anderson Cooper. Okay, so um, when we take a look at that, and it, it has to, we have to think about it. Does, it. does it resonate with us at all? An American Health Dilemma. This is a wonderful book that was um, written by two um, physicians out of Harvard University, A Medical History of African Americans and the Problem of Race. Okay. So fueled, all of us are familiar with Charles Darwin, um, who was a philosopher. Um, and I had his picture and everything. I don't know, it just disappeared on the slide. It was there last night. <laughs> Fueled by misinterpretations, um, distortions, and misrepresentations of Charles Darwin's evolutionary theories. And um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. The Influential Racial Treaties, the Pseudoscientific Literature, and both the Social and Natural Sciences on Black Biological, Psychological, and Intellectual Inferiority grew in volume, intensity, and influence. By the late 19th and early 20th centuries, American government and public policies public policy documents, biological treaties, and medical journals were laced with pseudoscientific racist principles, um, um, derogatory racial character of references, and the pro-announcement of impending black racial extinction. extinction. Okay, so the decline in already poor black health was blamed on African-American self-destructive behavioral traits, immoral behavior, weak constitutions, inherent susceptibility to disease, distaste of labor, didn't want to work, criminality, fondness of alcohol, disregard for personal hygiene, ignorance of laws of nutrition, and proclivity for sexual vices, and um, immorality. So there, there's so many more um, studies that you can look at that are absolutely amazing on how slaves were forced to drink. And it was a game to see. If you read any of Degla, De, Frederick Douglass's books, it's very interesting to see how the alcohol was forced upon them as a game. So they would put them in the middle of a circle and watch and, 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 and make them drink to see how crazy they would get. 
But the bottom line is, there's good news. We serve an awesome God. And there's a reason for everything. And that we're going to talk about the ability to make choices. But there's good news. And this is from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 7. Um, if someone would read that in Appeal for the Colored People. The proclamation that freed the slaves in the southern states opened doors through with women. Okay, so that's good news. We have more good news. Um, most of us are, I'm sure all of us, are familiar with Booker T. Washington. And I thought this was absolutely amazing. I'd, I'd heard of it, but I'd never gone, I've never, I'd never looked at it in length. But he came up with something that was called the National Negro Health Movement. And it was a movement for one week, I don't know if it was February or not, one week for um, Negroes to take charge of their health. And he did this from 1915 and it ended in 1951. Oh, oh, it's not in there. <laughs> Can't believe we're going to the. You know what? Oh, hold one second. National Negro Health Movement. Yes. Uh, let me see. Well, I'm gonna have to probably come back and share it with you because I did not download it. It was too large to go on this particular one. But what he did was he established. And I've got to show it to you at another time. He established this in 1915, that the Negroes would take charge of their health. They would go out. They would exercise. They would eat better. They would clean up. They would work together as a group. It was social, physical, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. Then on Sunday, they would go to church and discuss how they were going to um, raise the quality of their neighborhoods. It was absolutely fantastic to think that he would come up with that because at, even at that time, the health statistics for blacks, it was just not a good thing. So he had the insight to, um, to look into having something like that. So that, that's the good news there. And it was called the National Negro Health Movement. Now, because of blacks coming out of slavery, and of course you've seen what we went through already, the trust was not there for them to go to a physician, especially if the physician was white. So here comes more to, to fuel the fright and the distrust that was already there. Are you, is everyone familiar with the Tuskegee Project? Yes. Okay, the Tuskegee Project kind of um, turned, it, turned the volume up a little bit more as to, okay, I'm in denial of my health. But then when they came out, they said, you know what? This is a good thing. This is a good thing. I am going to um, be a part of this. So the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, as, as, as a matter of fact, if someone can read that, and then I'm going to get the, the short video up, please. From the US. Now, this was interesting because the way the sharecroppers were um, buried, they didn't have a funeral. They were put in a, a um, sack. What do you call that? The uh, it's the cloth, it's itchy. I can't think of it. But anyway, they, they were just put in a sack, and that's how they were buried. 
and it's buried in the ground. So here came an opportunity to have a respectful burial. Not only that, they were given a sum of money. I think it may, I can't remember what the sum is, but they were given a, a decent sum of money for that time and said, well, you can't beat this. If this is going to help me, and this is public health, if you're going to help me to um, either be at ease with the syphilis or to cure it, surely, and I can have a decent funeral also. So there were a number of men that signed up for this study, believing that it was going to be a, a wonderful thing for their families and, um, and for themselves. So let's see what happens here. So um, again, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've heard about that. But I just thought it was very important to go on and even just talk about that for a moment. So in your experience, especially for black men, what do you know about us going to the doctors? Or be, just if we can get feedback from that, because that's important. Um, not just going to the doctors, but getting education. Yeah. What is the reason for it? Why is this happening? Well, we have a distrust. We have a distrust, exactly. We have a and, distrust. And some of them may not even know running down all over. And nobody looked at him before they finished all the white people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's it, so the those things they, yeah. have, they have lived. Yes. And inherited, sort of. Yes, and yeah. they hear it from one generation to the other. Yes. So they have a distrust. Yes. And that, that's really what it comes down to. However, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has had his hand in everything. And so we have to teach our people, we have to teach the world, when I say our people, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are not like animals that live by instinct. We have the ability and the capability of making choices. And that's why we have to talk about change, because it's not just the distrust, but it's the the habits that have been passed on from generation to generation. The mentality, more than genes, has been passed on from generation to generation. If you think about it, and if you look at the statistics, um, but if you do studies, you will see that there were certain things that we did and still do, and so that can be passed on just the mentality to put us in the place where we are with the health disparities that we're dealing with. Any comments on how you feel about that? There's no excuse. There's no excuse, and we can change this. But we do have to look at the facts. No one knows exactly why, but this is the science, this is the research that has been done. Yes, sir? You see, um, the Bible says that people that destroy for a lack of knowledge. Yes. Exactly. Can you relate it back to though how the, from suppression, how that mentality became and how that mentality perhaps was passed on from generation to generation. And what we're finding too, it's not just 
um, blacks that live in, in urban areas, but those that have, they're more elite. It's not that much different. It's, uh, it's our traditions, it's our mentality, it's, it's a mind thought, and it's what we've had to deal with. If to die this way, you know, there is something better Yes, and that just ties right in with what Ellen White says, what my friend just said, people are dying from lack of knowledge. Yeah. Whatever the case may be, whatever the reason is, yeah. they're dying, and we can do something about it if we hold arm in arm, hand in hand, and, and continue to move forward, but just remembering that God has just made us so fearfully and wonderfully yes. made with this mind. Um, and I believe that if we, we put our hands together, we can move forward. And you see again, um, the community. Yes. Uh, one and one to yes. yes, to come out of the darkness. It's time for me to stop blaming people and blaming society. You cannot blame. Yes, God has given us a way. And we're held responsible. I'm a firm believer that it first starts with the individual, then the family. And that goes out into the community. And nobody knows it better than my friend right here. He's a big community person. That's the only way, <coughs> excuse me, that we're going to do this. And to remember those two things, education and our people are dying from lack of knowledge. So once again, there's good news. And um, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. And we're going to continue to move forward. In fact, a lot of people say, and you've heard it over and over again, well, listen, it's in my genes. My mother had um, hypertension, my father had diabetes, and this is just how it is. So I've accepted it. This is just how it is. Yes, sir. We need to pass this list around to sign. Thank you so much. Um, if you can pass it around. So it's, it's a mindset that we have to change. That's, that's the bottom. That's what it comes down to the bottom line. But you've heard that before. I mean, I have done it myself before I knew, well, hypertension runs in my family. Oh, well, I'm a black woman. My mother died at 63. Oh, well. And I flipped the switch and said, the buck stops here. And so the beauty of it is if we can dismiss that mentality, it will be amazing, the effects. And that's what we're getting ready to do. I thought it was interesting, and I'm encouraging everyone, if you have not gotten this, win wellness, turning good genes on, good genes on, and bad genes off. It is here. It's only $20. I encourage you to get this because it's something called epigenetics, OK? Turning good genes? Here it is. I'll pass it to you. And. It's actually saying, we all heard Aristotle say what? Your food should be your medicine, and your medicine should be your food. They are realizing now that you can actually turn the good genes on and the bad genes off. We won't take the time to get into that now, but I certainly encourage you to get that, um, to get that book. And so this is what Dr. Youngberg, a DVD. Um, I actually, I have it here. Will you suffer from the same diseases that afflicted your parents and grandparents? And disease, remember, can be mental. A thought, your thought pattern. Have you ever been tempted to say, oh, what's the use? I've got bad genes. Do your genes or your choices have the greatest influence on your health? Your it's your choice. And that's the beauty. 
So here is a professor, um, because more and more people are understanding that we have to make that change mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. And I'm leaving out so much just because of lack of time, but the, the history is just absolutely um, wonderful. And she says, slavery not only inhibited family um, formation, but made stable, secure family life difficult, if not impossible if not impossible, but we know that it is possible because we serve an awesome God. So, uh, let me move right along here. Here's one of my favorite people, Frederick Douglass. What does he say? Let's read it together. We have to do with the, the past, past only as we can make it useful to the present and the future. Can we read that again? We have to do with the past only as we can make it useful to the present and the future. So we move right along. And what does Dr. Martin Luther King have to say? Our, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And then we have our friend. I love this lady. She was a stern black woman, and they called her Mama Harriet Tubman. But this, to me, was so profound, based on what my friend said back here. Our people are dying from lack of knowledge. They don't know. And the fact that educate, educate, educate. She says, I freed thousands of slaves. I could have freed thousands more if they had known they were slaves. And that's what you were saying. So we suffer with diabetes, we suffer with hypertension, we suffer with these chronic diseases, but we don't even realize that we're slaves to our habits. So we don't know. So we're like the boiling frog, hence boiled frog. But you're, you, and you're going to get this, this PowerPoint. Whoops, whoops. Okay. Not good, not good. So in closing, in closing, let's just take a look at some more good news. Well, this isn't the good news. I shouldn't say that. But this is the latest news. This is from um, the National Public Health Association, February 2012. I wanted to make sure that I waited until the end to give you something later. A national report released in December 2011 says that the nation's overall health did not improve last year in preventable in, last year in preventable such as diseases and obesity. I'm sorry, last year in part. in part because of health problems that are largely preventable such as diabetes and obesity despite modest decreases in tobacco use, coronary heart disease and preventable hospitalizations, the nation's overall health is not improving my friends. A recent national report finds for every person who quit smoking in 2011, someone else became obese. And then we have our good friend that was with us last week. She's so powerful. And she says, and it goes back to what we know, as, especially as Adventists, we have this health message. God has given it to us. We have a plan. We just have to use what God gave us, and that's called the will, the ability to make choices. So um, Surgeon General Regina Benjamin says, 
U.S. Surgeon General, stopping disease before it starts yes. is key to helping more Americans stay healthy and better manage surging health care costs. I'm a longtime champion of the power of prevention, and it's the focus of my work as Surgeon General. Benjamin said, I believe that prevention offers the greatest opportunity to improve the health of America's families right now and for the decades to come. I also believe that prevention is the key to building a stronger and more sustainable health care system. Prevention, that's what this whole conference is about. The whole, and, and, and it's, it's no secret. We're running into these problems mainly because of two things, even though it's mental, physical, social, and spiritual, but the chronic diseases can be dismissed just by eating the proper foods and moving. Yeah. So more good news in closing. This is from Testimonies for the Church, um, 3, 161, 62, in 1873. Okay, let's read it all together. December 10, 1871, I was again showing that the health reform is one branch of the great work which is to fit a people for the coming of the Lord. It is as closely connected with the third angel's message as the hand is with the body. The law of Ten Commandments has been lightly regarded by man. But the Lord would not come to punish the transgressors of that law without first sending them a message of warning. The third angel proclaims that message. Had men ever been obedient to the law of the Ten Commandments, carrying out in their lives the principles of those precepts, the curse of disease now flooding the world would not be. And she was saying flooding the world in 1873. What is happening now is just astronomical. But there's a solution because once again, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have that will that allows us to make choices. And it is up to us. It is our obligation to go out and help people to choose life, as our mantra says, or our, our, um, from, from the North American division. Choose life and what? L tell the world. Reach out and tell the world. We have it and we can do it. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.